Welcome to Diary of a Sheep Dairy Farmer, where we talk all things dairy sheep, from breeding to lambing to milking and everything in between and outside. I'm your host, Becca, owner, operator, and glorified farmhand of Hidden Hollow Sheep Dairy. Welcome back, guys, and thanks so much for being here. I hope your week was a good one without issues. We have had almost two weeks of snow and wind that just chills you to the bone. It finally let up about Friday, but we haven't gotten above freezing yet other than maybe one or two days when it was raining. I am looking more and more forward to summer and really starting to worry about the weather and really starting to worry about what the weather will be mid-February for lambing. I keep hoping and praying that the weather will turn back to the 40s and it won't be so bitterly cold. It's awfully hard on those newborn lambs. It's been a crazy week for me. The temps were in the single digits and sometimes slipping into the negatives, and that is without taking the wind chill into effect. My husband was in Boise all week for a conference for work. He didn't get home until Friday, and then we had to go to a work dinner. And my daughter did her best, but she wasn't always off work or home in time to help me feed. So basically, I've been on my own all week with no help for the sheep really grateful that we are not lambing (laughs) right now. Thankfully, we don't have a lot going on. So if it takes me two to three hours to feed, I'm not falling behind on any other projects. Originally, I had planned this episode due to the fact that we were planning on selling about 25 head of ewes that I targeted for sale last weekend. However, our plans changed due to the 14 inches of snow we ended up with and the blowing winds our lane down to the barn was about three inches deep with drifts that we couldn't get out of and then we got rain which made everything slick our lane from the highway to the barn is a little under a quarter of a mile and about an eighth of a mile down it turns and backtracks toward the barn so trying to get up the little bit of a hill and curve doesn't always happen in bad weather and then you add the snow on top of it, there was no way we were getting out. We were snowed in. Let's talk a little bit about why we would cull an animal. I mean, isn't the whole point of having sheep to get as many as you can before your husband finds out and puts a stop to it? But sometimes we have to sell a sheep for many reasons. Maybe they are older and can't carry lambs or feed lambs. In a perfect world, we would never have to get rid of an animal. They would stay on the farm forever, and I will admit, I have a couple ewes that will live out their lives here, even once they stop lambing and milking. I believe God put animals here for our use, and when I can no longer use that animal, it is time for them to go to their next use. Even if that use is to head to the freezer, I know that sheep has gone to feed another family. So if a ewe can't feed her lambs, as in she has no milk, she is immediately on the cull list no second chances. If she has no milk for her lambs, she will have no milk for me. And isn't the whole point of having dairy sheep to milk them? If she can't feed her lambs due to the lambs, for example, they chew on her teats or have sharp teeth that make her sore, then she gets a pass. That is out of her control. So we'll let her heal up and try again next year. But no milk equals a no keep. Maybe that sheep is a bad mother and refuses to raise her lambs, or she rejects one if she has twins or two if she has triplets. 
I think I mentioned last week that I called a ewe just for that reason, even though she was a really good milker. I don't have time to raise lambs for their moms. The ewes need to do their part. If a ewe rejects a lamb once, she gets a pass, especially if she's a first-time mom. Sometimes she will even get a pass on the second reset rejection if she is an exceptional milker and she still keeps at least one lamb on her. But if it becomes a habit where I am raising more of her lambs than she is, she's got to go. How about stealers? What do we do with them? I have one you that is notorious for stealing lambs. If she lambs anywhere around the same time as another you, she will steal that ewe's lamb. Sometimes rejecting her own lambs, sometimes wanting to raise all of them. I finally did sell her last November. She wasn't a great milker, but she was a good mom and easy to foster a lamb onto. But the fact that she continually stole lambs from other ewes in place of her own wasn't ideal. So I made the decision to sell her. So the whole point of having dairy sheep is to milk them. And you want to keep your best milkers and continue with those bloodlines. But what if you have some non-dairy sheep bloodlines in your flock from when you first started out? When we got into dairy sheep, we started with Icelandic and then added a few Katahdin and Jacob sheep. I no longer have any of the Jacob bloodlines in my flock, but I still have some of the Katahdin and lots of Icelandic. And in all honesty, I will probably never get rid of the Icelandic bloodlines. In fact, I probably will look for another Icelandic ram in the next couple years to introduce new blood into my flock. I like the Icelandic for their parasite resistance and the durability which makes for healthier lambs. The Katahdin bloodlines, however, I have been slowly phasing out. The ewes I have in that bloodline weren't the best milkers. They gave quite a bit right off the bat, but within about two months, they weren't giving me enough to make it worth my time. I also find them fairly flighty. They are not as friendly as some of my sheep, and I can always tell which ones have the Katahdin blood in them. They are the ones watching me from a mile away, ready to run at the first sign of me trying to approach them. I have tons of record keeping for my sheep. I have breeding records, lambing records, milking records, and I go through each of them to find out who needs to stay. I have my favorite bloodlines from my favorite sheep and best milkers, while I may have to cull them eventually as they get older, I know I will always keep those bloodlines in my flock. When I look through the breeding records, I can see any ewes who have missed more than twice. They will end up on the cull list. I look through my lambing records. Does this ewe always have singles? Does she raise a lamb to weaning? If she doesn't, why? What made that lamb die? Was it a lack of milk? Lack of nurture? Was there something wrong with the lamb that I didn't notice? Was the weather a factor? Even though we lamb in a barn, it is open on three sides and has no heat. So winter lambing has its challenges. Has she lambed but had stillborns too often? Some things are out of our control when lambing. Weather is a factor, feed can be a factor, and human error can be a factor. If I hadn't slept in that extra half hour, would it have made a difference? Did I mess up and feed the wrong hay and or grain to the ewes during the last month of gestation? Was it just too dang cold or too hot for the lambs to survive once they were born? We quit summer lambing just for the heat factor. I like to lamb in April or May now rather than July. It's just too hot on the moms and the lambs. And we really try hard not to lamb in December or January for the cold factor. I like October for fall lambing, February, March for winter lambing. Our temperatures in our area seem to hold nicely during those months. 
Milking records play a huge part in the culling process as well. How much milk does this ewe give on average? Is she consistent? Does her level drop sooner than others? Does she milk longer than others? This is a good thing I look for. Does she have any other issues that I don't like? Teeth too big, too small, too hard to get to. Is she a total hag on the milking stand? Kicking, laying down, etc. Does she refuse to let down her milk and takes twice or three times as long as the others in the stanchion? I hate getting rid of views, so I will always try to find a reason to keep them no matter how bad they are. But I am getting to the point where I need to be a little more selective rather than just keeping every ewe lamb that is born. When I was starting out and trying to grow my flock, I kept everything, no matter how bad they were. Even the slow-growing lambs that look like yearlings at five years old. They just never grew. So I look at them and I wonder, did they not get enough from mom? Did I wean them too early? Did they not get access to enough food once weaned and that stunted their growth? Did I breed them too early? And that caused them to put all their effort into the lamb rather than themselves. Then I have to decide if I really want a flock of dairy sheep the size of baby doll sheep. What about rams? Do I cull rams? Yes, even though I hate to. I am, I am obsessed with rams, but sometimes you have a ram that is a dud. My favorite older ram is going to be culled this year just for that reason. When I look at breeding records, I'm not just looking for ewes that didn't take twice. I'm looking for reasons as to why. If I have five ewes that didn't take, I can look back and see what ram they were with. In this case, if all five ewes were with the same ram, that tells me it's a ram issue, not a ewe issue. So the ewes will get a pass and the ram will be on the chopping block. I keep yearly records on the rams as well. How many ewes they bred, how many lambs they sired, how many ewe lambs and how many ram lambs. Ultimately, I'd like it to be about even for you and ram lambs sired by rams, but sometimes you get a ram that will only throw rams and every now and then he'll give you a ewe lamb or vice versa. It's not necessarily a bad thing, it's just always something to keep in mind. And you always want to keep the rams that come from the best milking ewes, regardless if they are your own or something you buy from another farmer. So when is the best time to cull? The answer is whenever you feel the need. For me, I tend to cull my ewes before every breeding, and we breed three times a year, and after every lambing, when it is fresh in my mind who was a bad mom, who had no milk, who had no lambs, and this doesn't mean they head off the farm right away, but they are marked for the sale barn for the next time we head out. Let's talk really quick about culling lambs. As much as we want to, we can't keep them all. Ram lambs are pretty much always sold unless they are an exceptional ram that I can use for replacement. From my February of 2023 group, I kept 13 ram lambs. Most of them were sold to other farmers, but some went to the sale barn. I am now down to seven, and of those seven, only five will stay with me as replacements. From my November 23 group, I have two ram lambs that I kept, and only because both their sires died this winter, so I wanted to keep the bloodline in my flock with their amazing genetics. Ewe lambs are a little harder. I really want to keep them all, but I can't. So at weaning, I look at bloodlines. 
There are three ram bloodlines in my flock that I keep all the ewe lambs from no matter what they look like right off the bat. Second, I look at mom's genetics, and again, I have a couple ewes that I keep no matter what. Then I look at the milking records, if they have them, and keep what I know are good milking lines. Last, temperament. Is the lamb curious? Is she a runner at the first sign of people? Is she relaxed and chill when in the sorting alley or catch pen? Or is she hitting the walls trying to get away? I prefer the calmer ewe lambs to the flighty ones. And temperament goes a long way for when you put them on the milking stand that if they are going to throw a fit, you might not want to have to mess with them, especially if it's a continual something that they don't get over. I'm sure you've heard the term teeth, toes, teats, or testicles for a ram when looking for keepers. These come into effect as well, but more so when I'm buying sheep rather than sorting through my own. If I know a sheep has bad feet or teeth and passes that trait down, I usually won't keep the sheep or the offspring. Same with udder issues. I know people get really freaked out if their ewe has four teats, but for me, it doesn't matter. It's not a make it or break it point. Nine times out of ten, those teats aren't functioning, so it's not a worry. And even if they are, they are so small, the lambs aren't looking for them to nurse off of. I'm more concerned with teat placement than with the number of teats. Okay, I feel like I have rambled on forever and appreciate you all being here and I thank you for your support. I would be ever so grateful if you would leave a review or share this podcast with your dairy sheep loving friends. Anything to get the word out. As always, you can find me on Instagram at Diary of a Sheep Dairy Farmer. And if you want to follow the chaos around the farm, you can follow me on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok at Hidden Hollow Sheep Dairy. Thanks for being here, guys. We'll talk to you again next week.